Hi, everyone. You're about to listen to the Roll for Crit podcast. Before we get started, we have something very cool and exciting to talk to you about. It's the World Series of Board Gaming that is taking place in Las Vegas, Nevada in 2022, September 28th to October 2nd, 2022, to be specific. Uh, This is a big tournament event that is taking place across 16 different rings, and each ring is going to have players competing in a different board game. And the winner of those events will move on to then compete against each other in one final event to see who is the biggest winner and there will be cash prizes along the way including a final prize of $25,000. Now we are not participating in the sense that we're going to be competing because I don't think we would do very well but we are helping out by announcing what one of those ring events will be which game is going to be played and competed over in that particular event. Uh, We are coming off from Tim Chewin who does some great video work and photography work with board games who announced the previous event and now it is our turn so i will turn it over to will to tell you what that event is going to be that's right and the game we will be announcing is this is where i wish we actually had a nice drum roll but we're just gonna go for it carcassonne this is a classic tile lane game if you've never heard of it before all about trying to place tiles correctly to make cities or fields you control possibly many more because of all the expansions that have been made for it This is not the heaviest game in the world, but this is one that is near and dear to many gamers' hearts. This is a great addition to the games they've already announced for their championship event. And if you would like to participate more in this, well, we've got good news for you. We are running a contest with World Series of Board Gaming, where you can rate and leave a review of our podcast on iTunes. And if you do, you'll be entered into the contest, where you have a chance to win a $250 coupon code, which you can use to enter a One Ring event ticket, or possibly use it as an upgrade to enter multiple event tickets, because you think you can win them all. Now, like I said, all you need to do is go to iTunes and rate and review this podcast and then email us at rollforgrit at gmail.com with your review and the subject line WSBG contest within the next month. So until November 10th, that gives you plenty of time to listen to this podcast or even some of our previous ones so you can leave a well thought out review. And of course, please don't forget to check out the people who have already made announcements as well as those who have yet to come. Yeah, there are a lot of cool games that you can find out about and learn more from those different content creators at the World Series of Board Gaming website, which is wsbgchampionship.com. You'll find a schedule and more details about exactly how the events are going to play out. And, you know, the reviews you leave for us on iTunes, we'd love them to be very positive, but they don't (laughs) have to be. We just want to just leave a review and write something and one random person will be chosen as the winner. Uh, If you want to stay tuned to more news about the World Series of Board Gaming, you're going to next need to head over to Quackalope. Quackalope on YouTube is going to be revealing what the next game event is going to be. So you can head over there to stay on top of everything that's going on. It should be an interesting event. It's certainly uh, one of the biggest of its kind and with this specific focus that I'm aware of. And uh, it'll be kind of fascinating, I think, to see how it goes and who ends up competing and who ends up winning. All across all these different board games. It's a great selection of board games from the lighthearted to the extremely heavy ones. So we'll see what happens. But for now, let's get back to the podcast. 
Welcome to the Roll for Crit podcast. We are going to talk about board games, card games, RPGs, tabletop game, games of all variety today. Not games, they're games, in fact. We have a lot of fun discussion today, big news items. If you are in the market for board games, you're in the right place. My name is Jonathan. I'm Will, and I'm excited to talk about all this stuff. Uh, some very interesting stories. Uh, but first, we got to do a die roll now. The die I have here that I pulled from the bag is actually, it's it's a basic light blue, sky blue die with white lettering. But just because it's simple doesn't mean it won't roll well. We got to right. see how well this podcast does. That's right. We got to roll the D20 to determine what the fate of today's episode will be. And this die has decided it's going to be very middling with a 10. <laughs> All right. Hey, I mean, uh, right right down the middle. So it's going to be like. Yeah, you kind of, the podcast will be good, but you're not going to win any awards. But you know what? It's also, the computer's not going to light on fire. And Well, <laughs> I, your... I think also, we don't like to tell the die who our guest is, because that could influence the die. And uh-huh. I think in this case, it would have rolled much higher if it knew who was joining us today. Oh, wow. Yeah, some some weeks, it like, it would just really tank the roll. <laughs> but this week, we have a really good guest. So it would have been really excited about it. Uh, I, hope, I hope nobody uh, for past guests ever listened to the show. I don't think they do. Uh, but we're excited because for all our listeners joining our party today, he is the designer of Growl, Chaosmos, and the upcoming Bad Koalas, please welcome to the show, Joey Vigor. Hello, Hi, Joey. Will. Hello, Jonathan. Hi. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I know that uh, uh, you're a busy guy. You're, you're running around doing all kinds of things these days. We got to see you a little bit, uh, or at least I did, at, at Gen Con just recently. Uh, so have you, I don't know if you've you've recovered from that just yet or if you're, how, how you're feeling, but hopefully, hopefully you've had the chance to rest a little bit since then. <laughs> recovered from Gen Con. I just did my, my taxes yesterday for 2020. I did the, uh, the old classic file, the extension. Um, and I've been dealing with meetings with China. I've got a bunch of, I've got five ships that are scheduled to take my growl expansions to the five corners of the world. But then last night I thought, well, maybe I could save money by just or time by just air shipping most of this stuff. So I'm I'm now trying to work out all of that, trying to save money. Um, not that I do it for the money, but I'm trying. I'd like to do it rather than not do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would always be the preference. Yeah, we've been talking a lot on the show about just how frustrating the shipping situation is right now, and I know you have been dealing with that firsthand. So. But it sounds like maybe the silver lining. You're starting. You're starting to find ways to resolve some things. Um. Yeah. It's it's, it's really <laughs> bad. It's really it's really bad. Yeah. Um. I, I did get a a cheaper quotation. Um. I, I've been hearing people say it's twenty five thousand dollars for a container ship from Asia to America. Now I got a I got one yesterday that was uh, twenty two thousand. Normally it's about four thousand. So so wow. twenty two thousand is a hot price. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it is rough, man. It is. I am. I am very sorry to hear about it, but uh, I'm. I'm glad that you're here today. We will. We will try to talk about fun things. Actually, this week, yeah, we mostly have. Usually, every week, there's like at least one story that's devastating and heartbreaking. <laughs> I'm not sure what's. It's just kind of something that's going around on the planet, I think. But uh, this week, we mostly just have fun stuff to talk about. So let's get into it with our first segment as we cover the news from the past week in our news roundup. News 
News Roundup. Yeah. Okay, so something weird is going on. Hopefully that sounded normal to you. On my end, some of these, usually we have these bumpers and they sound slowed down. So if I don't talk for a second after it ends, it's because I'm still listening to it at half speed. I'm not sure what's <laughs> happening. Technical things are happening that are weird. Uh, but that said, we're in the News Roundup segment. Uh, and I thought just to start off, maybe we would just kind of talk a little bit about some more of the gaming conventions that are happening or have happened this year. Of course, we talked about Gen Con a ton on the podcast and on our YouTube channel last month. Uh, but Origins also happened last week. We have Essen, uh, Spiel in Essen that is coming up next week. And it's just been announced that, well, PAX Unplugged, we knew uh, was going to happen uh, this December uh, over here in the East Coast. But now they have made it official. Tickets are on sale. And they've also announced their policies for the show, which include mandating a vaccination requirement and masks at the show, which Spiel is also doing. I'm not sure uh, what to what extent Origins did anything. Joey, were you at Origins? Or is that are, are any of these shows you normally go out to or... Uh, has that some of that changed just in light of your schedule and or the you know the global pandemic thing? I went to Gen Con obviously, um, and that was that was a really good experience, but it was terrifying, I guess, in some ways. Um, I don't mm -hmm. usually go to Origins. About every two or three years, I go to Origins and uh, Pax Unplugged. And uh, I went to the Shucks convention up in the Shut Up and Sit Down convention when it was in mm -hmm. Vancouver a couple of years ago. But uh, and I go to a lot of the Strategicon conventions, which is like a smaller convention here in L.A. But I'm not I'm not a regular exhibitor at any of these conventions uh, usually. But uh, Gen Con is is sort of not to bring it back to money again, but that's sort of where where <laughs> my bread and butter comes from. And uh, generally, if I announce something at Gen Con, people have heard of it later on. And if I announce it other places, for some reason, not they haven't necessarily. So, right. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's more or less the same for us. We, Gen Con is our big one that we always try to go to because, you know, that's where, at least in the US, that's where the, the, the big announcements happen. That's where the excitement's at usually. It's actually, uh, I think that's where you guys first, I think you guys are the first uh, people ever to uh, talk about my Chaosmos game and, 2013, 14, something like that. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Well, I don't know about first people ever, but well, you maybe know. not ever. But <laughs> but yeah, my mom might my mom might have that. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so that, but yeah, I mean, we can oh, we 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 could I could we could do an episode on Chaosmos. I'd love to just talk about that. But <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's it's a great it's a great place. There's a great opportunity these conventions to find stuff like that and to talk and for us to get to meet and talk to designers and people that we wouldn't normally uh i know i mean i, I believe will i know we're in the process of getting the packs unplugged uh tickets are you i assume you're uh, uh happy about the the requirements they've put in place or how do you think that'll affect the show or will it i don't think it should affect too much um the one thing I'm curious about, and this is just my own, like once I got my own vaccine, you know, vaccination, I'm like, I'm good. Uh, I'm, I'm curious. It reads, guests will be permitted to display proof on a smartphone or present a physical copy. Does that mean take a photo on your smartphone, or where some people have like a special app or documentation? Yes. I just that's something I do not know. Yeah, I actually have 
uh, weirdly enough, some insight into this because just by coincidence, uh, yesterday I, I, I went to a, a museum where uh, they required proof of vaccination before entering. And I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't, or I, it was listed on the website and I like missed that fact and panicked. Uh, but they also said we will just take photos. Actually, and I actually had a, a PDF of it in my email of my card. And uh, I don't know how it's going to be at PAX, but where I was, it was like they glanced at a picture on my phone for about one second. <laughs> it could have really been anything. <laughs> and I, I mean, I probably shouldn't say this. I don't want to like encourage people to not get vaccinated or anything like that. But uh, it wasn't the most thorough check of the document. And I think that is kind of one of the hard things because there's not really, as far as I understand, there's not really a uh like a consistent approach to this thing like there is with a driver's license or something like that like some places have different types of cards and things uh, i think it's yeah they just look yeah. and make sure and at the very least uh, i mean yeah i'm sure there will people who try and people who may succeed with fraudulent things but most of those fraudulent things cost so much more than just doing it <laughs> oh, well, they're doing it. They're not doing it for reasons because, you know, they're sticking it to whoever they think they're sticking it to. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that the at, at the very least, there's the, enough of a factor of I don't want to use the word intimidation, but like, yeah, no, like, I think that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the right word. Yeah, like the just the fact that they are going to check it. You know, like who's going to take the time to drive out of town or whatever to a convention where you might get turned away? Like just instead of just doing it and having it. <laughs> so uh, I'm glad that. And it's also interesting that Gen Con now is the odd one out that it seems like most other conventions. I know Essen is doing it are requiring vaccination and they didn't. I honestly think they're it's where you're located. Mm -hmm. I think plays a big part. Uh, I don't know much about Indiana, but I'm pretty sure or at least since Pax and Plug is closer to here. You know, they. I. I don't think the anyone in the government there would be angry about this added measure. Meanwhile, if you're in Texas or Florida, I imagine they'd be very angry if you tried to put put a law like this into your uh, convention. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a. It's a thing. It's a weird thing, but it. That is what's happening. So uh, it'll be fine. There's not too much. Like, there's not really a ton of news coming out of these conventions. I think one of the interesting things this year, because Gen Con was pushed, is that because like Gen Con Origins and even Essen, they're all they're all within a month of each other. I think that all the same games are pretty much at all three of them. <laughs> so it doesn't feel like there's really a, oh, man, what happened at Origins? Uh, pretty much what happened at Gen Con. There's not really any, I think, I feel like they're less distinct, but I haven't gone to those conventions. So uh, I would love to hear at some point from some people who had this year to hear what it was like. But that was just some uh, general up top musings on conventions and specifically the PAX Unplugged news. Uh, let's talk about more gaming news. This is, this one is actually going back to something we again talked about weeks back. Keyforge, the unique card game from Fantasy Flight and Richard Garfield we learned that their algorithm had been broken. That was the wording that they used. The algorithm broke somehow. Details were fuzzy. And they had to rebuild this algorithm from scratch, which uh, is how they generate unique random sets of cards that still make sense for all the individual Keyforge decks that you can buy. 
And uh, they even delayed a whole expansion because they just needed time to rebuild this algorithm, which I imagine takes a considerable amount of work. Well, some some unverified but seemingly accurate news broke out. Uh, Stephen Bonacore, friend of the show, on uh, his podcast, Board Games Insider, and I think there were one or two I saw rumblings elsewhere that were echoing the same insider information, uh, had an unve- a source that he could not reveal that what actually happened is Fantasy Flight was the victim of a ransomware attack that hackers or some some group of miscreants on the internet uh, put malware into the Keyforge algorithm, uh, told Fantasy Flight that if they want, they basically essentially blackmailed them and said, if you want us to re- release this, pay us a lot of money. Fantasy Flight declined to pay them that money, and we saw the results. The algorithm, they ruined it somehow from the inside, and uh, that is why they have to rebuild it. Kind of a wild thing, kind of a wild thing to hear. Joey, I know you are something of a lapsed Keyforge fan, <laughs> but yeah. maybe, yeah. But uh, I mean, as a, and, and as a designer, I imagine you, you know, most board game designers don't work with algorithms, right? It's not a, <laughs> this is, this kind of tech is not something you usually deal with with these games. What, what do you think about this entire situation and like how it affects I don't know, board game designers, the industry. It's a very weird thing to me. <laughs> well, I, I talked to my to my buddies for however many weeks or months it's been since we heard about this, a couple of weeks, I guess. And we sort of had joked, oh, it's probably a ransomware attack. And I hate computers and I hate tech. And I don't really like, you know, once I have everything all set up on my computer, I don't like to have to keep changing it. And so the idea of someone being able to like, you know, I don't know, push buttons on their computer and go through the phone line or whatever, however my computer gets <laughs> online and mess with with my life is so abhorrent to me. Um, and then to attack someone's, I don't know, algorithm or whatever the word is, that that's just it's pretty upsetting. Um, if you're going to if you're going to hold Fantasy Flight hostage, I'd rather they they do it not for money, but to force fantasy flight to get the 40 K license back. So we could have more 40 K board <laughs> games. Um, but yeah, yeah uh, Keyforge, I used to, I really used to dig on Keyforge. I, I still like it. I just don't have time to really keep up with it. And it got too complicated for me at some point. And, and I, the community was um, it, like all balanced games. If you're really good at it, you win most of the time. And so I started to realize that I was going to these events locally and i would lose literally every single game i played and that was getting annoying um not not that you know there's anything wrong with trying your best but you know it it was it was out of control (laughs) that's interesting because it's not like uh you know it's not like a traditional uh card game where you build your own decks where Usually, you know, it's, oh, this person got the best deck that everybody looked up the best decks or paid the most money for the best cards uh, with Keyforge, you're not supposed to have that problem. But I guess it's I guess the game is uh, kind of in a good or bad way, balanced and made well enough that if you're good at it, you'll still win consistently. Well, the thing <laughs> people, we could bring our own decks to some of these events. So people would bring decks that they knew they would win with. Mm. And I was at the time I was just basically because I like just the idea of opening a new deck, I was just opening 
a new deck and playing with that new deck. <laughs> so right, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean the, the Keyforge probably has some of it, but the, because it's locked in, if there's a strong set like what was it? Was it a uh, Shadow? I think was the one that was always rated very highly. Oh, shadows. Yeah, it's one of yeah. one of the uh, one of the houses. The houses. You're going to do well. And while yes, there are always going to magic, for example, where you build decks that like you get your Jason Mind Sculptor, where and then everyone uses it. Usually, it's something like, oh, this deck's doing really well. Well, it's really weak against uh, ca like counter spells. Then you see a bunch of counter spells come in. Like you can adjust for the meta, so to speak. You can't really do that mm. KeyForge. I so, think you can, but it's not it's as It's much harder. It's much harder. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I'm, that's what I mean. It's yeah. much harder to adjust because if you're not opening the decks. You have to uh, find the deck. That we'll said, <laughs> yeah, that said, though, um, I feel bad because I do feel Keyforge works best when no one should bring a deck. Yeah, that's what I, I yeah, I, I love Keyforge as a, exactly what you said, Joey, is just, hey, I bought four decks. Let's just see how they work tonight and play it you know that's that's but that's me also as but, someone who is lazy and bad at games <laughs> yeah but, and it still falls and th in this sense building a tcg does not avoid this if someone knows the key fort set up and down they're like i know what the good mars cards are or whatever mm -hmm. which are none um but i've got a that, good mars deck but okay <laughs> i just know everyone always jokes about mars that was me just um but like so they'll know how so even if you open it jonathan like you know, because we probably are like, oh, this is a cool card. This is fun. Someone's like, all right, I know how the he's going to do this tide thing. So I know how to counter him like five turns ahead because right. I've, I've poured my attention into this game. I think ideally, so and I'm sure this, you know, it's it depends. But in a, ideally, the thing with Keyforge is that even a really good deck, there should be some other deck type that can counter it if you can find it. But yeah, it's well, and it's also the stores you go to. Sometimes you just find a store where everyone there is a, you know, <laughs> top tier play to win. It can right. be very scary. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, when we talked about the whole algorithm thing, I don't think, uh, I, this was not something I imagined. Uh, I don't think we brought it, it up in the show. What, do you, what did you, it seems obvious to me now. Right. But like it, yeah, it did not occur to my head. I really wish they did say something because, I don't think I would feel unless they found out like the president clicked on a link that said like <laughs> win a million, you know, something <laughs> like that. It was a because site. <laughs> there are plenty of different algorithms. I mean, they even mentioned it in the uh, the podcast where we learned from this. Mm -hmm. And I think it would be nice to hear them say, yes, this all went down because we refused to pay. We need to hear from more people that we're not paying. Yeah, I wonder, do you think it was a legal thing that they just, their lawyer said it was safer to not say anything? Why, or are they just embarrassed? I think this? it's more embarrassment. <laughs> I think that that would be like a loss of faith because I cannot imagine, like what would be the legal implication? I'm just I like, I, 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 I would, would love if anyone think, knows. Yeah, they don't I, I don't. attacked again. Mm, it's oh. that easy to take down Fantasy Flight's new game. You know, um, I, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, that makes that sense. Don't don't we don't want to paint ourselves as a target. Yeah, I mean, it is it's just crazy to me that this happened. <laughs> like, uh, you know, we've heard of maybe stuff like this, uh, you know, for other industries where in my mind there's more valuable assets on the line. It's it almost in a small way is like, oh, it's I'm almost proud of our industry. We we've, we've grown to the point where people want to attack us and <laughs> take out our 
our software for games uh, because it's I just wouldn't imagine this would be a target for anybody. But uh, it's a it's a crazy thing that I guess people figured this out. And I, I suppose they will be taking more precautions now to I mean, what's crazy to me is like there was no they didn't have a backup that they could use or did somehow they, the hackers targeted that as well. Like they just got so deep in the system that they took out every trace of this thing. Well, keep in mind an algorithm is not necessarily a simple equation like E equals MC squared. They have to have the name of every single Keyforge deck, you know, from every single set excluded from, you know, the name generation of the new decks and they have to have graphics databases so that you don't have two equivalent um, deck backs, right? So mm. the, the the algorithm is probably gigs and gigs and gigs and gigs and gigs and gigs. And my guess is the backup is so old that it, I'm sure there is a backup, but it's probably so old that it doesn't take into account the latest few sets is my guess. And mm. so I think they're going to get it back up and running again. I would, it would be lunacy to give up on the whole game. I, I'm I'm much more positive on this development, I think, than than the community is, just because, you know, I haven't I haven't kept up probably at least in the last 18 months of uh of uh the latest sets. And so, you know, I've still got probably 50 decks and I haven't even opened 10 or 12 of them. So I'm still plugging away fine on my end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of in that boat yeah. as well. <laughs> Yeah, that's the way, like, I think it's so many times, not just with Keyforge, there's other games too where they're like, the update's going to take a while, and I just imagine there are people who just blast through whatever content in, like, two weeks, and they're like, there is nothing for us to do, and I don't know, sometimes for me, I'm like, if I did, I'm like, great, I can now play another board game while I wait. Right. <laughs> yeah, Kickstarter's delayed for a year. That's okay. I have a shelf full of them. I don't need <laughs> take your time. It's fine. I mean, even like when the when movies stopped coming out during the pandemic, I was like, uh, they you can stop making movies for three years if you want. I have a lot I need to catch up on. I'll I'll take a break. Video games just take it easy for a while. Uh, but yeah, it's yeah, I mean, I, I would love to see, and I don't know if this will ever be known, probably not for years and years, but I, it would just be fascinating to see exactly how big that algorithm is and what it entails and how it works. As someone who knows nothing about how it would work, <laughs> I would find that interesting. But uh, at any rate, I do think the future seems bright for Keyforge. They do seem committed to rebuilding it. And maybe they'll take the opportunity to make some tweaks and make it more efficient or uh, you know, make it also adapt with their new digital version that they're planning. And uh, uh, better security. Yeah. <laughs> That too, that too. And hopefully it doesn't happen again. Uh, so that's the whole Keyforge thing. We'll see if uh, once that is resolved, how that uh, relaunch, so to speak, goes. Also have some uh, a few games from the past week or that are either were released or were announced that I thought we might want to touch on that are interesting. Not too many. I'll, I'll, run, I'll run through the ones that I, I found that to highlight. Uh, first, there's a new Call of Cthulhu board game uh, called Call of Cthulhu Terror Paths, uh, which is from Chaosium and Peterson Games, and it's for the, I think, 40th anniversary of um, Call of Cthulhu. And uh, it's a it's a brand new, it's a co-op horror board game that's supposed to be coming out in uh, 2022, of course, themed around Lovecraft. Uh, then uh, there's the Cowboy Bebop RPG, 
which is going to be on Kickstarter next year based on the anime series where you'll get to, you know, I assume play as those characters or other characters on a ship in that universe. Uh, there's a sticking with RPGs. There's a, a new D and D source book uh, that is called uh, Minsk and Boo's journal of villainy. That's all about uh, Baldur's gate. Uh, uh, villains and locations and uh, henchmen and monsters and things from that uh, specifically that section of the D&D universe and finally we have released uh, the Pokemon trading card game it's been 25 years uh, just about like this week or next week since the launch of the Pokemon trading card game uh, at least I'm not sure if that's in America or Japan but I don't think they were too far apart uh, and they're doing a new set, which has some remakes of some old cards, like, of course, the Charizard. And they also have the chubby little Pikachu art <laughs> coming the back. The best with, Pikachu. <laughs> it's the best Pikachu by far. Uh, Joey, any of these any of these games catch your interest or any anything that you would be are, are excited about? Uh, I'm not a... Uh, a uh, Pokemon. I couldn't even remember the word Pokemon. I'm not a Pokemon <laughs> guy. Um, I haven't seen Cowboy Bebop. Um, I love Lovecraft. So any any Call of Cthulhu thing, I'm I'm into. I, I've played the classic RPG, um, but I, I don't know anything about this board game, Terror Paths. So I, I would definitely check that one out. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure for you as well, Will. That that's uh, up your alley. <laughs> I'm I'm very curious to see more of it. I mean. As always, I feel at this point with uh, it has got a good pedigree. You know, this isn't from nowhere. But like Lovecraft, at this point, Lovecraft and Cthulhu, I've seen enough of it. So I'm like, what are you doing to make it good? Like, do you have good story, good mm-hmm. game mechanics? Um, but at the very least, you know, the box cover and art, and you know, it is Call of Cthulhu, right? right. Um, and I, I, I am curious because they don't really say much besides it is a board game. But in the quote, it says, I think, like, introducing new players. Does that mean to just Lovecraft in general or to the RPG system? So, yeah, there's a little more info I found on their site where they kind of show you a look at the boards. And it sounds like there's will be campaigns you can play through and stuff like that. I mean, I like that. I think that's where, in my opinion, Lovecraft shines is more of the story, especially if it's uh, like, yes, you can have combat, but something that really just focuses a lot on um i think you have to have story to be like dark decisions or just atmosphere so well it says here it's it's, uh it's cooperative and you take your action simultaneously 20 minutes per player and i like there's a solo mode and it plays up to six so so it's definitely a board game it's 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 not yeah um it's definitely more of a sandy peterson uh thing than than you know the old school call of cthulhu Right. And I'm glad I'm seeing also um, Standy. As opposed to 800 minis. Yes. <laughs> that you have to pay $400 for. Yeah, the $400, uh, by the way, is, well, not the $400, but the the minis is where a lot of us make our money. But yes. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. yeah. And I will say that like Call of Cthulhu, or not Call of Cthulhu, sorry, Cthulhu Wars does have excellent minis. Like they're not your gray ones. They're the bright colored that do not make you feel bad that you don't paint. Yeah, all the ones that, that come not <laughs> but, broken are, are beautiful. <laughs> that is always a plus. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, so the call, the Cowboy Beep Up one, I, I think I would love to play in the world, like just the bounty hunter stuff. I think it's, I love, I mean, I love the world and I hope there are rules to play as a corgi. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're if you're into anime at all, Joey, or if you're not, I Cowboy Bebop. I'm not an anime guy, as Will knows, but that's like one of the shows that's it's just so good. It transcends any of any of that genre. It's just like, it's, it's yeah. It's one of the reasons. There's a I'm reason everyone talks about it. You know, it's yeah, why I'm, I'm excited and terrified for the Netflix show. Right. <laughs> is the Netflix show live action or, or is yep. it? Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's a uh, John yeah. Cho as a uh, spike. Yeah. I, you know, I saw the, uh, the live action Netflix version of death note. Oh, yeah. and oh. they, they turned an amazing series into a very faithful 84 minute or whatever movie. I couldn't believe it. Um, it was, I was shocked. It, it was, <laughs> it's like every story beat all the twists and, and things from the, from the series every four minutes for the length of a children's movie. I, I couldn't believe it. Uh, that is the most positive thing I think I've heard about that. <laughs> I mean, I don't, you know, Jonathan said only positive things. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. We're staying optimistic on this show. Um, Obviously the, the Pokemon one, if you're into Pokemon, I think that's great. Especially if you're more of the, uh, of, on the older side, yeah. you know, fat I just like the, you know, it's, I, I thought it was fun for me to kind of reminisce because while I'm not a trading card game guy now, you know, I was obsessed with Pokemon as a kid and I remember when Pokemon card game launched and they had like events at malls and stuff mm -hmm. and i like made my my dad drive us to some mall that was like 40 minutes away oh yeah <laughs> so i went I to a mall starter set not for the card game i went for uh actually participating in like a, a, a oh, little yeah, tournament I, I didn't do that i wasn't um, cool enough for that <laughs> but i one of the things i also really like where it comes to card games like this is that they're here's the new art or you can get a reprinted version of the old card because like it's, I don't think it's as important in Pokemon considering I, I think uh, it has a pretty bit strong um, power creep, hmm. but it still feels nice to have that old Pikachu or Charizard art, you know, not to have things oh, on yeah. a list of cards we will never reprint again <laughs> kind of yeah. deal. And they do have some of the, some later cards reprinted in the set too. It's not just the OGs, but yeah, those are just. I think two obvious examples since they're from yeah. the first set. I remember when I first got Pokemon cards as a kid, I didn't know how to play. Like I just had the cards, so I would just make up games with them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, no, I, I, <laughs> I specifically remember my friend first showing me and making up rules that like, Oh, I, because I, I remember we made up and it's like, I discard the energies to, to take you out with me. So it's a tie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like um, Calvin ball. You just say whatever you want. And then, of course, more D&D &D is fun, especially <laughs> Minsk and Boo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so that's cool. So that one, uh, that Pokemon is out now. The D&D &D one you can find right now, digitally at least. And the other two are scheduled for next year. Uh, and then finally, one last little uh, little thing of note this week, back to the world of trading card games again. There's a new world champion, as I understand it, of Magic the Gathering. Uh, it, it is... Uh, uh, Yuta Takahashi uh, has become the new Magic champion after a recent tournament. So, you know, I'm not a Magic guy. Uh, Will, do you know anything about, like, specifically thoughts about his his deck or play style? Or do you, I don't know how closely you follow, like, this, the, the pro tournament scene. I pretty much don't because I like playing the form that's very casual and lets you play with bad decks and still win. <laughs> yeah, yeah um but i mean I, i'm taking a look at his deck i love it's all dragon related but it's also very 
I mean, this is what happens when you get to a lot of the, I feel like, pro levels. You can see a lot of decks that are like, you know how usually when you read a guide of how to play things, like, you should play with at least, you know, 16 creatures and this many things. The pro one, you know, they they can, they can twist and story it so much because they're like, all right, I'm playing with, like, one creature, but I have so many spells. I'm just doing all this crazy stuff. And yeah. I'm not surprised it has blue in it. <laughs> uh, Joey, you're you're kind of a or a, somewhat of a magic guy too, right? Well, I bit? I don't collect any sets after Ice Age. So, um, <laughs> what is that? 1995, uh, okay, end of 95. Okay. I I like the I like my original. I got into it um, either end of 93 or beginning of 94, and. Um, I really, really, really like the uh, the original. Um, what do they call it? The revised edition, third edition, I guess they call it. And um, I never really felt like they finished that edition. And so, you know, I had all these chaos orb and all these weird cards that added all these. They they hinted at this crazy unlimited numbers of of possible um, sort of directions to go with the game in that first edition, but what I really wanted was a set that felt finished. And um, people say that there are later sets, uh, a lot of later sets, which which are very elegantly designed and, and stuff. But I, I sort of never got over, um, like I love banding and banding got banned <laughs> or got they got <laughs> rid of banding pretty quick. But like I was really into war elephants and the idea of, of, combining cards together and then throwing trample on them and, and, you know, banding a band of trampling, like, like creatures together. And I just, I guess I'm just not a very sophisticated enough player to, to get into um, the more modern sets. Cause I do occasionally play and someone will basically buy a combo of cards, which are basically errors, like cards that should never have been designed, you know, <laughs> cards where it's like, turn over the top card of your opponent's deck. And if it's a land, then this terrible thing happens to them. But first they'll play a thing that will turn every single card in my deck into a land. And it's like, come <laughs> on. And another card will say, do the same thing that just happened again. And then it'll, they'll get into an infinite loop. And on turn two, they'll, they'll, they, and they have to go through the entire thing. And I'm like, I get it. You don't have to go through every single card. And they're like, no, that's also a land. That's also a land. And I'm sitting there, you know, just waiting as they go through. It's, I'm I'm jaded. I, I'm jaded. I I I think magic is the greatest. I, I personally think magic is the greatest tabletop game of all time. I think it's there's just nothing like it. I could talk about it for a long time. And and I like I said, I only really know up to 95. <laughs> uh, I am surprised because I am not a banning person because I don't know how it works. <laughs> I just get very confused of how things interact with it. So you say like I you you're like I don't know about the sophistication. I'm like you 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 like to me one of the most complicated mechanics. You could probably take on anything magic has thrown out in future years. I I should uh, I should get back into it. And by the way, banding it, it's only complex because it's it works different on offense versus defense and that's the thing I think that that like broke people's brains. They they kept trying to make it better at first because it wasn't the it, each color had its own one or two sort of classic style mechanics, but banding never really was as good. What they should have done is just made like vigilance or first strike be the sort of um the main white mechanics and and uh but uh, or or uh Oh, the Sarah power. I don't even remember what they call the Sarah power, the, the, where it never taps. That's the thing. They that, didn't have that never taps as vigilance. 
Oh, vigilance. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because that's the thing. I, I I never learned all the keywords because some of them like death, deaths, uh, death touch. Uh, I just called it the basilisk power from the thick thicket basilisk. I, it took take. I I'm not caught up on all the terms, and some of the terms I don't even I don't even like. I don't even like where they took some of the some of these sets. Oh yeah, look, not everyone's a winner. Um, but if I had to take a shot in the dark, if you're gonna look into keyword wise, if you like banning, which seems to be more like people coming together and attacking, the two I would suggest you look into is Battle Cry, which is when it attacks, it gives a bonus to everyone, so it's sort of like leading the charge, or Exalt, which is if it attacks alone, everything that gives Exalt pumps up that thing. So it's almost like you're cheering the one guy in the gladiator pit. Oh, that's great. Yeah, no, I've heard that there's a lot of classic style uh, keywords that have come out since, and and I, I need to get back into it. I did buy, I bought an entire set of, because I don't have a lot of time to dig into um, new sets, but uh, mm-hmm. I bought whatever, um, I think un, one of the unsets, I bought the entire set. I can't remember which one. Oh, was it the recent one that came in the box? No, it's not okay. the it's not the cha- the the boxing match, whatever it's called. Yeah, I, it's the one that had the contraptions. I think that was the one before it. I forget. Yeah, the I, they all have un something like it's, unmatched, yeah, unsolved. Yeah, un something. But but I've got the entire <laughs> set, and it is fun. And I've I've played like mul- several multiplayer uh, events with it, and it, it's fun. But I've got one card. It costs I think twelve. 12 mana and I could not figure out just playing with this one set how to get that much before the game would end like I could never I, I so I think I, really the sets meant, meant to be combined with other sets but I just wanted to play like one I just want to open a box and have the game be complete and that's the problem with TCGs in general yeah uh, that's that's that is a yeah. what you got to hope for is like what happened with Transformers, and they end the series, so you can just collect everything. <laughs> um, I am obviously a little bit uh, biased on this, but my suggestion would be for you to check out Commander, because one, it's uh, eternal, so you can use whatever you want. Two, you only need one copy of any card. You don't need to get, like, four sets. And three, this is the other thing why I sort of joked before. Because it's multiplayer, having a weaker deck doesn't mean you're going to lose, because... For I mean, it depends on the people you play with, but you can usually like, all right, he's not in a stronger board state, so we're going to go for that person instead, and then that way you can sort of sneak a win otherwise. And usually you can you can then try more. I don't want to say gimmicky, but maybe not as strong supported keywords mm. or mechanics or tribes. So yeah, take a look into that. There's a whole history I, I've got to dig into. It's just tough when I play against somebody and. I cannot keep up with all the things that they're saying they're doing. So I just sort of sit there and <laughs> nod my head while they say, and then this uses tiddlywink and tiddlywink makes the. <laughs> the uh, oh yeah. Yeah. And well, and, and there's, that's the other fun thing with commander. Usually you can be like, hi guys, I really don't, could, we make sure there's no infinite loops. And usually people be like, okay, I won't use my, my 50 infinite loop deck. That makes me draw my entire deck or whatever, mm. you know? Well, so, I'll tell but, you Joey, who you shouldn't play against. And that's, Yuta Takahashi. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. We were on standard star. Because <laughs> that's the 2021 Magic World Champion. Congratulations, uh, and I apologize. <laughs> uh, no, our, uh, all our support to him, of course, than anyone else. Uh, all right. That's, let's wrap up the news segment right there. We got to move on into Kickstarter. Kickstarter. 
Oh, this one looks nice. It's nice. It's nice. This one. Kickstarter. Kickstarter. That's right. We're taking a look at the world of crowdfunding, and each of us perhaps has a project or two that we are interested this week in. Joey, is there anything on Kickstarter or another site that you are currently backing or just something that's caught your eye that you're intrigued by in recent past? Sure. I've got a couple here. All right. Well, so, so some of them I back because they're funny or it sounds like the person maybe could use a little bit of support um, just for being unique. Uh, there's, there's one called, Oh my gosh, this is, this is funny. Um, oh, you know, this is, I, I shouldn't even wait. bring this up. This is not even a game. This is just, it looks like a comic book. Savage <laughs> Sasquanaut. Okay. It's, it's features Sasquatch in space. And the tagline is that's one small step for man, one Bigfoot for mankind. <laughs> All right. No, no I'll, uh, now there's one called beast. Have you guys heard of beast? It's oh, a, yes. it's a hidden yeah. movement game, card driven, uh, cooperative. It's, it's all against one. Um, that looks really cool. Um, so I, I could get into that, but it, we, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff on Kickstarter. There's one I'm backing, which it's called bite the vampire card game. And it says a vampire themed social deduction, pick and pass game. And I got to say, it seems like this person may have been inspired by, by my game Growl. If you get three wounds, you die, and you can convert people into, you know, vampires. I was just going to say by the name. <laughs> Am uh, I, maybe I'm mistaken. Was, wasn't Bite like I a think title it was a you failed, considered? It was a, it was a, I think it was a failed. Oh, oh for, um, for, for Growl? Uh, I was considering something similar to that for maybe a a like a spinoff vampire sequel. Okay, I, think. Okay. I, um, I remember vaguely like there was a, taking a survey at some point about a <laughs> which title I liked the best for something. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's it's uh, I'm I'm like looking at it now and it, it it's interesting. Like I I'm actually not dismissing it, even if it was inspired to some degree um, by Growl, and it may not have been. Um, it's not that complicated of a game either way, but. Uh, what I like about it is this idea that there's they solve a lot of problems that I don't think I ever solved with Growl, like um, issues with the honor system. In this one, there's there's sort of a way if you if you quote unquote cheat, then you can actually be challenged, and then there's a penalty, and you can there, you know there's extra difficult or more complicated characters like I don't know what you call it, super vampires or ancient ones or whatever where. You can't just kill them. First, you have to like, I don't know, remove the curse and then you have to kill them. And there's all these, it's like more complicated. There's lots of different kinds of cards. I don't know if this thing will get funded. It's it's not funded yet, but uh, but you know, it's I want every every new designer or or new publisher to uh to at least have the chance to uh to fund, you know, and um, I'm not sure what it's at right now, but uh anyway, that's that's bite the vampire card game. Got it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's And then you also mentioned Beast, which we talked about. Uh, I, I think I brought it up last week or the week before. It was one that I thought looked pretty cool, too. And it, it's kind of interesting. I feel like... I might have said, heard about it on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. As you said, uh, like, Bite sort of seems growl reminiscent. Uh, Beast is... Uh, it's, it's very different, but I, I almost see some... Like, the hidden movement thing in some ways reminds me a little bit of the vibes of chaosmos i feel like it's a uh, i could i could see it seems like that's the kind of mechanic that 
I could sense you enjoy. <laughs> oh, I, I love uh, Spectre Ops. Um, yeah, yeah. I haven't played most of the classic hidden movement games. Um, like there's, what's the Jack the Ripper one? Yeah, Letters um, from Whitechapel. Letters, and then there's there's one with the Scotland Yard, I think it's called. Mm. Um, I haven't played those, but uh, I love I love Spectre Ops and the expansion. Um, so or the the spinoff, whatever, whatever. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm interested in this. I like card driven stuff. I like the Spectre Ops is great, but it it you know you have to have this big piece of paper and you're drawing on a map, and it's not that easy to check check the work of the uh, of the hidden movement character. So you just sort of have to trust them but what i love about hidden movement games is the person at the table who's the most um i don't know solo personality can play the solo player and the people who like more cooperative type games can cooperate and i i just like that because often there's somebody left out at my game group and it's usually me (laughs) (laughs) i i really do love hidden movement more because what i like about them compared to hidden trader I feel Hidden Traitor, for example, we talked about this a little while back, Jonathan, with the new Battlestar reskin, the Unfathomable. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you're just like, you have to sit there and wait for everyone to discuss what they're doing on their turn and do stuff. I feel like Hidden Movement, I don't feel there's that much. Like, I'm still thinking mm. like, oh, I can, like, I have that whole board to look around and move. Mm. I feel like at least I have, I, at least for me. Yeah, no, that's fair. I've definitely, uh, I think depending on your group, there can be, it depends on your personality too, because some people like you might enjoy, you don't mind sitting there and like thinking about your options. Whereas I think sometimes people will be like just bored because they have to wait for the (laughs) other players to do their stuff. Uh, But I, I mean, I think compared to a hidden trader game, just the fact that you know who's on your team is a, a very different Although Inspector yeah. Ops, there's they have yeah the no the fifth the, when you play with five plus players yeah there's a, there's a trader I actually have never played I, with the with the trader it doesn't there's something about it where I'm I'm sure it works fine but it doesn't go it doesn't fit with what I want out of that particular game mm-hmm. um, but uh, I guess I have actually I think I have played it once and it, I admit it actually I think we actually did have a fun twist in it but it it's hard to co- cooperate with somebody that you don't trust just in general, even just, you know, building a, building a cabinet or something, you, you want to make sure the, the nails are going in the right way. Uh, <laughs> if you haven't heard of this, just because I know we're, we mentioned a bunch of hidden movements and you didn't say this one, one that we really love is escape from the aliens in outer space. Oh, Have you yeah. heard of that one? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's got, yeah. I, it's at um, game house cafe, which is the board game cafe near me. Um, and I keep seeing it. It's that's the one that came with a CD back in the day, right? It has an like a soundtrack <laughs> CD that came in the box, at least the version I've seen. Yeah, I don't think that the I don't version I have has one. <laughs> but I know there's been like three or four editions of that game, so that doesn't surprise me. Uh, yeah, but that that one is pretty cool. I mean, of course, Hunt for the Ring is a Mm-hmm. A, a good one yeah but yeah yeah it's good it's good mm-hmm. <laughs> um so that's so that's beast and bite are, are your two your two picks this week so i like the oh and also uh savage sasquanaut <laughs> oh by the way i i'm, I'm wrong it, i i actually i'm embarrassed to say i own escape from the aliens in outer space and i i've played it numerous times and i was confusing it with uh with oh are you thinking game. of not space thinking alert of space alert or escape? no no there, there's another um oh, okay uh, um it's got the word aliens in the title, but yeah, okay. no, no, I, I like, I like escape from the aliens. It's a, it's a stupid name. It's a beautiful game. I love there's no text on any of the cards. That's like, a, mm. it's sort of a classic mechanic. I think it's a, 
I know Osprey makes it, but I think it's, is it a foreign does like foreign design? I don't know, but uh, I like it. I, I like it. I just, it's sort of a party. It's almost like a, as a party game, it's a hidden. Mm-hmm. It, it is a hidden role party game. Yes. But I feel like it's not too party ish uh, where you like, where it's just who can, who has the funnier in jokes kind of deal. <laughs> right. It's not um, on that end, I but you can't, it's easy to teach. It's easy to teach yes. the game, but there's a lot of, um, you know, silent sect, you know, yelling out silent sector. And it, and then I also don't like the balance often, because you can oh, you can yeah. convert a human to an alien in one second, <laughs> and I just when that happens, now there's like quickly there could be two or three times the number of aliens. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that's one of those games where I feel like there's a later edition that I don't have that maybe made some changes or even just house rules online for stuff like that that people have figured out that make it a little more balanced. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a it's a very interesting one to yeah in in, in many different aspects. All right. Well, do you have a Kickstarter pick for us this week? Oh, that's right. We're in the Kickstarter segment. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, uh, my pick is going to be from North Star Games, and that's Paint the Roses. Oh, yeah. This is a cooperative game when you are the cards in the Alice in Wonderland, and you are, I, I guess, commanded. I was about to say hired, but no, you you already are uh, under the, uh, the rule of the queen to... Uh, make her garden look pretty. But the truth is she just wants an excuse to cut off your heads. Mm-hmm. So each of you have been given a secret goal of like putting different uh, flowers next to each other. And you're all trying to guess correctly what the other people have. But the better you are, the more she's not only going to change what she wants, the faster she's going to move to try and catch you. So it's all about trying to, it's like, um, I almost want to think of like charades or something where you're trying to guess when well, you're on the same team, what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And this does include an expansion, which in has all the characters that we know, you know, Alice, the Mad Hatter, who your goal now is to get these keys. And the way you get the keys is from what I can tell, it, it sort of tempts you maybe to be maybe not as efficient. Like, because each character who controls a key is like, oh, I want you to throw a tea party or something or like make something maybe a bit more colorful, but maybe that's not what the queen wants. But it seems that uh, Alice, at least, also gives you some ways to combat the queen as well. Yeah, I mean, I I looked at this, too. This is this was uh, they've been talking about Paint the Roses for a couple of years now. And uh, I, I feel like they've even maybe had it at a convention or two that we've had the chance to see an early version of it. It's a great, and, great name for the game too. I like that. Yeah, it is very uh, evocative and and cool. And yeah, it's it almost the thing I've seen it. I think I don't know if I saw it compared or if I just thought the comparison, but almost Hanabi like in the way that you're you can't talk about what's in your hand, uh, but you're trying to place tiles in ways that will clue people in to what you have, so you can figure it out, mm-hmm. figure out the puzzle. It's I mean, also it, interesting. There are difficulties. For, mm. So someone might have an easier combination. Oh, right. And isn't it like you'll get more, you'll move further up the track for figuring out a harder card? Mm-hmm. I, 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 yeah. Yeah, it looks really cool. I, I love the, it's it's my kind of game for sure. Uh, and the art and everything looks great. And it's um, $30. $30 mm-hmm. uh, will, will be a $35 retail, but on Kickstarter, it's 30 bucks. But and it's got a couple minis in it too, which is not bad, right? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this this is fine. When when we joke about minis, we're talking about when they're like 
you get like 20 pounds of minis. <laughs> you know, not your, I like not your 20 markers. pounds of minis, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know you're a Warhammer fan, so <laughs> you must have a... <laughs> well, I'm, I'm actually more of a fantasy flight board game with mm. Warhammer theme fan. But anyway, we'll, we'll go back to Kickstarter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. It's good. But we need we need the pounds of minis to just support the backs of the non-mini games. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Paint the Roses is this one from North Star Games. I mean, they're a you know they're they're well to me they're a big company we've talked about in the past even to um dominic from from the company himself about some of the financial difficulties they've had in recent years but to me they all they always seem like a they've you know they shouldn't be struggling they've got great games they're a well-known brand oh and the sequel is going to be called paint the minis <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Now that's a game uh, we have yet to learn how to play. Uh, all right, so I've got a. There's some picks that I. There's some games that I like on here. I mean, I think that the one we have to at least mention, but we have we did cover it at Gen Con, is Thunder Road Vendetta, and this is the new one from Restoration Games, which is a racing game, and like all of Restoration's games, it's a, a remake of an older title, Thunder Road. And they've modernized it and given it a new coat of paint and everything like that. But you are adding cars to a board, rolling dice and assigning them to move those cars. But then, of course, your cars are also slamming into each other and shooting at each other. Uh, and you can you have powers you can use, like throwing a helicopter on the board. And there's all we, so we played the a prototype of this at Gen Con. You can find our impressions on our YouTube channel. And we had a great time with it, but also looking at the Kickstarter, it's like, man, there's so much more <laughs> that we didn't see, most of which is optional, but there's just stretch goals and, and expansions and new extra vehicles and stuff. And uh, it, it you can go all out with this one, uh, but we had a lot of fun with that Thunder Road Vendetta, but uh, that one is 50 bucks for the for the base game. So that's got a long way to go, though. Uh, they're at 129 of 500,000. So, oh, yeah. Well, just we'll launched like two hours ago. Oh, oh, well, <laughs> at the never time mind of this recording. So, never yeah. mind. <laughs> so it said that, yeah. 20, day, 20 days to go. I figured it was a 30 day campaign, but yeah, that's good for them. Good for them. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, who will probably be further along by the time that this, this comes out. But, uh, yeah, so that one looks cool. And then the other one, the, the one that I'll kind of pick that we haven't talked about before is this one that I thought was interesting called, it's actually two games. It's called Dandelions and Psychic Pizza Deliverers Go to the Ghost Town. Either, <laughs> either of you see this one? No, I'm, I'm looking it up now. <laughs> yeah, so this is two Japanese games that they are uh, bringing over. Uh, it's actually BoardGameTables.com who they've done... They make tables, but they've also done games like um, I think QE was theirs. Um, uh, Kabuto Sumo is theirs. So they they've done a number of games and it's two different games. One of them is themed around uh, flowers. So you're all dandelions spreading your seeds weeds. around. Let's just call them weeds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's let's be honest here. Weeds. And that one's interesting because it's a roll and move. But the way it works is you roll all your dice for your turns at the start of the game. And then each turn you choose which die you want to use. So you still have some decision making involved. And the other one is this. The insane one is psychic pizza deliverers go to the ghost town. <laughs> yeah, that's the Japanese one. All right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, where uh, one player is kind of like the GM 
and they know what's on the map and everyone else is a pizza deliverer and they're blindly walking around and they say like the gm tells them what's in the squares around them and you have to find the pizza and then find a house to deliver it to while avoiding ghosts and stuff oh it's like uh it's like that mind game the computer game that came oh, on pcs oh minecraft oh or, I mean, no no, no my, minecraft. he mean minesweeper minesweeper Mind yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah where in this case the gm uses the game box it looks like as the gm screen which is kind of funny yeah oh yeah we always love what if a box is used as a component <laughs> i'm very happy about that that's fun uh so this one you can get both games for 46 bucks in fact i don't think they even have an option for just one they're selling them together but uh they they look fun and cute and weird all right so those are some kickstarter picks for you we'll have links in the show notes so you can find uh, more details about all of them let's talk about games that are out now that you can play potentially in table talk. I don't know, Mike. Table talk. Table talk. Table talk. Okay. So we are now in the table talk section. We are going to talk about some of the games that we've been playing. I see, Joey, that you have not had the chance uh, to to be playing much in the in the past few weeks. No, uh, the the new stuff. Well, I just didn't get a chance to get out much at Gen Con, so. I didn't pick up anything new. Um, it's, well, how about it's, this? I would love to. It doesn't have to be uh, something new or hot, or even or even a game that you didn't design. I, I'm sure you've been. You've, I know you've been play testing Bad Koalas a bunch. Maybe you uh, could just talk a little bit about what that experience has been like, or what the what the play testing experience in general is like for you when you're making a game. Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, I've I've been doing a lot of different expansions for for games and. Uh, so even though Bad Koalas, I've I've since Gen Con, I've now finished it, and I'm very happy with the base game. But I've also been uh, you don't want to release a game if you have ideas for expansions, and then have the base game like it might play perfectly by itself, but not lead in properly to the things that you want to do later. So I I just I wanted to make it as elegant and clean as possible, and then also have the expansions work later. But in that game, there's as you know, there's four kinds of koalas and they each have a different um, problem that happens when they riot and they riot. If there's three or more of one type that's left in their, in their little city zone at the end of your turn. So it's sort of like pandemic as a card game where you're, you're trying to move koalas out of the way so that they don't end up rioting and you have to decide which riot is the least worse for you right now. If, if you can't, get out all of them out of the city and they're not they're not bad koalas um naturally they just sort of shouldn't be in the city they want to be in the forest and so you're trying to get them there and uh they get a little antsy in the city and so they start breaking car windows and setting off firecrackers and things like that so it's it's a fun (laughs) very light theme game and and the expansions have been i've been playing with different new kinds of koalas that do different things and having koalas that get turned face down and koalas that have special effects, then also having cards where when the koalas come into play, instead of just being a koala and having the color be all that matters, I wanted to have some of the koalas actually do things when they first land on the board. So that's, that's been occupying all my playtesting time. And uh, I've got versions on tabletop simulator. I've been, I've been uploading. So, uh, so I've been doing a lot of that and you know, it's, uh, it's been fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, I had fun uh, trying it out at the at the show, and it's 
you know, as I know, like as I was there, you were saying you had figured out some stuff <laughs> that made the game better. Oh uh, yeah, we, there was a playtester right before you who solved a long-standing problem I was having with balance, where sometimes the game was just really, 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 really hard, and sometimes it was it was relatively easy. Um, so I got that solved, and now the it ramps up properly. Um, so that was a, it's always nice to get good feedback. So that that's scheduled to be on Kickstarter 2022. Oh, just early? January 4th. Yeah. Coming up pretty soon. Oh, actually, oh. I haven't even done any, any promotion for it at all. So I better get on that. It's t- <laughs> I've been spending too much of my time doing the things well, that we're not supposed to talk about. Here's your first promotion. Everyone check out the new Koala game on Kickstarter soon. <laughs> yeah. It starts here. It starts today. Uh, and it's, and will the expansions you're talking about be as, part of that or is that something you're thinking of for down the line i think I'll, I'll i'll probably have one one bonus kind of koala that called a crisis koala and it's instead of having the same thing happen every time it riots every time it riots it's like a new disaster so you'll know what it will do this time but then once it riots once then the the card gets flipped and to you have like a little deck of 10 different things and so now it's like, okay, if this riots, now it'll do this whole other thing. So it adds a little spin to it. And I might add one or two other things, but I'm not going to have any really advanced expansions early on. The game is tight enough. It's almost like Candy Crush or something. You can really mm-hmm. kind of get into just the base game if you're that kind of person. Actually, I know you're not, but <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but uh, there, are, there are people who um, basically came to Gen Con to play you know, whatever. And they, they sat down and played koalas and uh, I'm embarrassed or proud. One of the two, they stayed um, multiple hours every single day in the playtest hall <laughs> on this <laughs> That's awesome. little five minute game. So that was, uh, you know, one guy said, I'm not leaving until I win. And he won four hours later. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Yeah, I would be very proud. So you should feel good about that one. <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, bad koalas. So stay stay tuned. We'll be, we'll be talking about that uh, more in the future. And I talked about it a little bit on one of our, uh, bonus, I think it was a bonus Gen Con episode. So. Oh, yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, oh, if yeah. anyone wants to sign up for the mailing list, it's uh, badkoalas.launchrock, L-A-U-N-C-H, um, rock.com bad qualas.launchrock.com perfect all right so uh will and i have been having playing some games uh mostly together in fact we had a, a really uh, uh like a productive game night <laughs> this last weekend i feel like usually i don't know we're lucky if we get like two or three games in because people show up late or we get distracted or we're getting food or just Things never go according to plan, but we got like a fair number of games in. I was pretty happy with it this week. Uh, Will, where do you want to start with what you want to talk? Maybe some of the stuff you've been playing even in your own time, too. Yeah, I'm going to start with The Loop from Pandasaurus Games because that I've been playing solo. One of them was actually just on a stream you can go watch if you're curious to see how uh, that plays and see me actually win. Spoilers. Yeah, well, (laughs) now I'm not going to watch. I know the ending. (laughs) Uh, the idea, though, of the game is you are all part of the time agency in a Dr. Fow? Fo? I, I think it's pronounced who? No, I don't know. No. <laughs> Dr. Faust? Oh, Faust. F-A-U-X. Oh, so, okay. Probably Faux, right? Yeah. Anyway, a doctor. A um, doctor he made a time machine, and he's assembled an army of clones to mess with time, and you got to stop him. Uh, there are many different game modes. So far, I've only played the basic one. 
the I've been playing the solo mode, but the general play loop is you're going to have three cards that are your hand, but they'll be face up on the board, so you don't need to be like hiding your hand. And you can activate them to do certain actions. You do get one free move with your character. But if you ever wanted to, you can actually unexhaust your items, called, which is what's called a loop, by spending an energy if there's energy in your zone. So it's moving around this circular board, trying to clear up either the clones or the, uh, the rifts he's making. And there are different goals you're also trying to achieve, which could be like clear out an entire area of anything. Or if you're able to remove a rift in the zone that he's currently looking in, um, something like that. Mm. And you're trying to complete four goals before he uh, destroys the world or the timeline. He, the doctor, is actually a small dice tower in the center. And at the start of each round, you're going to flip a card and he rotates to that time zone and you drop some cubes in, which could either go into his or maybe the adjacent time zone. So if they build up too many rifts, they uh, pretty much open up a vortex, I think was the, the word. And you open up too many vortex, you lose. Okay. It's, so it's actually vort- vortices. I just wanted to vortices. There. Oh, oh, there you go. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. I have I have to point out that the, just looking at it online, it looks like the board is has seven sides, which I don't think I've ever seen a seven sided board before. So good on them. Yes, it is a uh, a seven zoned area in the form. What what would that be? A Not septagon. A, a se- yeah, I guess. <laughs> I don't know what that's called. <laughs> uh, the big important thing: the loop. Yeah, uh, which I want to focus a bit more on is because when you spend energy to unexhaust items, you can only exhaust one type. There are four types, one of which is called black hole, which you cannot touch. Like they're usually your stronger ones. So I imagine in a higher level, like playing with more players than the solo, you'd be like, okay, I'm going to build up my deck so I have all the spiral shapes. So when I do a loop, I get there's more chances I exhaust more items. In the single player, you actually shuffle two decks together of two different characters. So it becomes more of a, I, I mean, I could, but I'm just going to try to get what I can get. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. I wonder how it'll compare to the multiplayer. Does it, does it feel like, I mean, I, I, I don't think you've played multiplayer yet, but does it feel like uh, this is a good fit as a solo game? I had a lot of, yeah, I had a lot of fun because the way, usually you just have your own deck, you draw three and that's it. In the, Single player, since you shuffle the deck, what you do is you flip over cards at the end. And if it's a neutral card that you gain throughout, like you get throughout the game, you choose who gets it. If it is one of the starting cards, it goes to that character. And the first character to get three cards, that's the character you activate that next turn. So there's a lot more planning to be like, oh, I want this card to go to this person because I want to use that character next turn because their power has to do with more with defeating clones. And there are a lot of clones on the board. Or like you can look like um, I think this should go to this person because they already have an artifact of that type, so the loop will be more efficient. So I, I do think the single player actually works pretty well, uh, in my opinion. Cool. So I've been having a lot of fun with that. Uh, the next one I want to go to is Super Mega Lucky Box. <laughs> I picked this up because uh, a guest on the show suggested to pick it up, and I'm like, well, let's do it. That's right. And this one I played solo and we played at our game night, which is one of the reasons why I thought it was a great one to go next to. So it sort of transitions. Mm. Um, the difference in the single player is it just, you, you write, it's a, it's a flip and write. Uh, you're going to flip number cards. You try to fit them in these 
almost, I want to say it's a gamification of bingo. <laughs> okay. Like it's bingo, but you actually get a choice. Um, <laughs> and the single player one pretty much, it just compares your score to something and see how well you did. And I will say I was, I got middle of the pack. You can actually see it. I think I posted on Instagram, but the, if the last card was like, uh, just a four or lower, I think I would have been one away from the best score. Ah, uh. <laughs> <laughs> it was really like, oh, so close. <laughs> um, but that was that. It, it is it is very fun. And I want to try to play with more people. I did it with just two. I actually played it while you were playing another game because I arrived a little bit late. Because um, uh, you know, just you don't need to get into the, yeah. <laughs> the details spiral. <laughs> but it yeah, was yeah, annoying. <laughs> It was not my fault to say the least, which bothers me mm. more. Um, Excuses. Which was a lot of fun to play because we go, it was the, the back and forth. I will say I liked it at one, two player, not as much, only because one of the things is you can collect blue moons. And whoever has the most gets six points, whoever has the least gets minus six points. And in a two player game, it's just like, well, one of us is, there's going to be a 12 point swing. Which did make the difference. Like, I imagine, I even said to the other person, if there's a third person, you would have beaten my score. Like, even if I got the plus six and you just were at plus zero. Hmm. So, like, in my mind, like, it wasn't terrible. But with this game, I would definitely say single player. Like, plus three or something. You think that would fix it? Maybe. Um, I don't even think that. I just think it's more fun to know, like, I'm, I'm okay that I'm in the middle. (laughs) <laughs> you yeah. know, it's because you can come uh, back. You can come back. I mean, look, if you, it, a 12 point swing is is annoying if you're doing really, really, really well. But if you're doing really, really bad, that's uh, that's a positive. Right. Right. You can it, get a 12 point swing. It's it's not even the 12 point swing part for me. It's more of the in a two player making. Is that right. what you mean? I like, guess king making. It's just not. It's more fun when there when the mechanic that is whoever has the most gets this, whoever has the least gets this, is that there's that middle ground. It's just not as uh, interesting or suspenseful, yes. right? Because it's just like, well, we know one of yes, one <laughs> of us is in that flip the, a coin. The most or least. Yeah. Um. So I will say though, the single player was fun because you can compare, and there was that oh that one card flip. But beyond that, I think I do think it is a really fun game, and I am more or less happy. And I want to like the loop. I want to play with more people. <laughs> now the final one, <laughs> I love. Uh, we just, uh, I think Jonathan just ran. We uh, split these up a bit, and I love that he gave me this one, which is Rorschach. We mm. talked about this at Gen Con. The idea, well, initially the idea of the game is that you're in two teams. One person is the subject. And they're given three words and then three Rorschach blots. And they have to sort of be like, I think this looks more like this word, this word, this word secretly. And the other team, the your team and the other team try to guess if which word is right or not. The reason why I want to say that initially is because I just went straight to the mechanics to read and play the game. Jonathan actually read the flavor text because <laughs> I was so rushed. And uh, John, would you like to describe? I think you do. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to know. I'm like, wait, what's, is there, a, there's a, like a theme here too. And um, it seems like this is like a funny, goofy party game, essentially in, in play. The theme of the game, it's like you, you and a group of people are having nightmares 
and you wake up uh, like locked in a room where in some where Dr. Rorschach is forcing you to take these tests as some kind of a sinister game. <laughs> and and when you at the end, it's like whoever wins gets to leave and the losers have to keep playing. And it has this very weird implications that you're like being tortured or something. <laughs> it's just like a few sentences at the beginning and end of the rule book. But uh, it's just a, it was a very funny, weird choice for them to make this, uh, you know, ostensibly harmless party game <laughs> almost like like a horror movie <laughs> yeah that's well i think i think they're going with the 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 like the white on black a uh, visual thing theme mm. is kind of it lends itself to darker mm. um concepts i think yes maybe. Co- uh contrast yeah yeah um the game but- yeah and the game itself is party Absolutely, because it's a lot of failing of guessing and being like, I think this is Zoo. I actually was going to ask you, because, well, I'll get to this at the end, but yeah. Um, yeah, it's well, what we found in our game was that uh, as opposed to when we played it at Gen Con, we just did one or two rounds. It's very hard. <laughs> yes, but to me, th- well, this is the thing. It is very hard, but I think a lot of it is sort of one of those times where it's almost funny just to see how off you are and what the interpretations. That said, the playtime on the box is 30 <laughs> minutes. We tend to go over the playtime, and I do think usually it's analysis paralysis. Like it's, uh, you know, we just are thinking too long. I think this game, you should have a timer and you should stop playing after 30 minutes <laughs> because. Maybe we're just terrible and not in sync with each other, but like we were, we we were. What was the time? At least an hour. It, yeah, it was an hour to third to ninety minutes. I would say. Yeah, and it, because well, the way, so the way it works is to win, you need four points, but you also need to be two points ahead of the other team. So if the scores are six and five or twenty and nineteen, <laughs> the game theoretically could go forever until one of you is two points ahead. But and we didn't really have that problem. Our problem. Yeah, was I was gonna that, say you you made it sound like uh, we're we were going neck and neck. No, we were like at our problem is that two and zero for was scoring two, any points. Yeah, <laughs> it was just like so hard to get it right uh yeah it was much like thinkier than i thought it was going to be based on just our demo of it i was kind of surprised and what i was gonna <laughs> not to uh bring this up again uh but we talked about code names and i and this game reminded me a little of code names and i kind of thought uh it's that you know you described this as a party game and i thought i don't know that i feel like i spent more time this also seems like for that team-based thing uh, where maybe it's less party-ish than other party games because it, you might want it best as a one-on-one experience. This I'm bringing uh, up I, a discussion I, from two weeks ago. I don't but. think it hit two players. I think four is the minimum. Uh, well, yeah, I mean that's true of code names too. But I just okay, remember you sorry. you were saying that. Uh, I guess because you could you could have. I, I guess there's a lot more discussion interpretation. I don't know why. It just maybe because I felt like. Maybe code it's just names. words versus pictures for you. <laughs> Maybe it's it, code name pictures a party game. <laughs> I think no, because I no, think there are it's party not, games like that. Yeah, no, yeah I think yeah. to me playing code names has a distinct. I'm playing a game with a win condition. I'm thinking about. I guess when mm. I was playing Rorschach, outside of ending the game after 90 minutes, <laughs> to me it was more of just oh, isn't this fun interpreting and just seeing what comes out. 
Hmm. Like okay. I wasn't thinking, I guess when I was playing Rorschach, a lot of the times I wasn't, I was thinking it would be fun just to see what the results are when codenames. I am thinking of, it, it feels like when I'm playing a Euro more, huh? Like I feel like, how can I win? <laughs> Sorry, this is just for anyone who who's caught up, not caught up listening. And for Joey, this was a <laughs> this is our ongoing debate as to whether or not code names is a party game. Uh, <laughs> I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying it's not. It doesn't. It's not to, the first thing that comes you, to mind. To you, you don't think of it primarily as a party game. I, well, I think I think Will and I have a different opinion as to what the word party game means because I I was mm, talking no. about a party game like meaning quick rules you can learn the game without anyone having to read the rules in advance. But Will was thinking more like shouting at each other. I think uh, <laughs> where socialization is is fine. You're not having to. You're not. I, I guess meta game. I guess this Rorschach did definitely have it with the the picking, but I feel like that takes like there's a you get the four blots and the other team gets to remove one, which usually that's where you're like this one's the easier blot, so we'll remove that. But that's like not the entire game. That's like. I think what we spend like a minute on it. Well, it's like Too when I tried long. to learn Mysterium, I'm like, oh, wait, so so I'm a ghost and I get to like give information through like images. This is so great. And they're like, OK, so that's uh, page one of the rules. Now here's uh, 12 more pages. And I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, well, Mysterium, yeah, I, I do think is a party game, but it is very complicated <laughs> compared to other party games. <laughs> uh, I, I will say there's look any when it comes to a, the, trying to fit anything to a genre. Right, it's never a perfect system. But yeah, like if you if you have a novel for a rule book, <laughs> I feel like you're already having an issue. And there's also like there can be a well designed party game versus a poorly designed party game. It, I've to me, I guess a lot of it comes to what I focus on is definitely the atmosphere and the attitude. I think when I'm playing it, mm. and definitely a simpler rule set makes it a whole lot easier. You know, if yeah. you have 12 different resources, I'm not, unless I'm like somehow know this game, by like the back of my hand, I'm not going to be able to be like, Hey, you know what? Uh, so what were you doing the other day? Oh, you know, I went to take this walk. Like you're so focused to be like, okay, <laughs> a beer and pretzels turn. game. They call yes, it. I guess. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I guess, so maybe I just don't take code names as seriously as you do. <laughs> That's what it is. I just like getting some more insight into the, into the workings of your brain. Uh, I can't you just play, like I putting can't. me on a spotlight and picking me apart. <laughs> uh, I don't like yes. code names. Code names for me oh. is, is one of those games where it reveals too much about the parts of my brain and how the associations work in my brain that I don't <laughs> want people to, to see. And there, there was Ooh, one where you might not like Rorschach then either. <laughs> the word it was, the word was something like internet or something like that. And I, the one I tr tried to flip was, it was like a word that was like modem. It was like identical to internet, but I could, I didn't even see it in my mind because I just saw the, and it was the bomb. And of course we all lost it. Everyone was like, you're crazy. You're, what's wrong with you? I was like, I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> yeah. 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 We've been there before. We've been there. Uh, yeah. Rorschach will reveal like weird inner emotions that you didn't even know you had. Cause you know, it's, it's Rorschach tests. I like, I really? like that it, it comes with flavor, the flavor text. I just, I love that it's a visual game 
that comes with all these all this flavor that just sounds i, I i'm probably the kind of guy that would just read the flavor text rather than play <laughs> uh yeah so that's rorschach uh we weird game i'm not sure how i feel about it to be honest with you like i uh, yeah no i want to try it again where we put the timer on where we can just be like <laughs> all right congratulations you got the most points in 30 minutes because it is i don't like you said i don't know if it was just our group but man a lot of it was just felt like we were just struggling <laughs> it was hard uh, but I think Kone's pictures for me was a little bit like that sometimes too. I think maybe it is just like, it depends how your brain works for these games. Um, all right. So I'll quickly just run through a few more games that we played. Uh, I, I played a round of Biblios, the game of Biblios with a couple of friends. We, uh, I You've played this before, Will, but I think it had been years since we broke it out. But this is a, I feel like this is kind of a, a well-regarded yeah. game. It's It's been long enough that I, I remember watching you play. I'm like, I don't remember the rules. So <laughs> yeah, it's pretty simple. Uh, it's pub, right? The version we have is published by yellow. I'm not sure if there's other ones, but it's designed by Steve Finn and uh, you're, you're monks designing like you're, or sorry, you're researching and trying to get holy books, but that doesn't really matter. Uh, essentially there's two phases to the game. The first phase is you are taking cards from the deck and you choose which one you want to keep, one you want to put in an auction pile, and then one for each other player to take then. But you draw each card one at a time. So you have to, there's a bit of push your luck of like, ooh, I like this card, but something better might come out. Or I want to make sure nobody gets this right right away because you can just take it. So I'm going to put it in the auction pile. And then in the second phase of the game, you take out all the auction cards one at a time and you bid on them with the cards that are in your hand. So there's like research cards that are like types of books and stuff that you're trying to get to win. And there's gold cards that you use as your money. So the cards you're getting in the first half, you're then directly using in the second half. It's a really elegantly designed game, I think. And it's relatively straightforward, uh, but it's just it's a good it's like a really good filler game, I think. Uh, that's Biblios. And we all and then we kept the auction theme going because we also broke out modern art. Uh, Reiner Knizia, this is the, I can't keep track of how many versions there are, but this is the one of the Simon ones that has the big exploding head on the cover. And this is just a pure bidding game where uh, everyone on your turn, you auction off a piece of art on a card from your hand, and there's different types of auctions. So it could be uh, a standard, like one at a time, everyone bids. It could be everyone just shouts and highest number when everyone stops shouting is the winner. Or it might be a closed auction where you all put some money in your hand and reveal it at the same time so you don't know what other people are going to bid. And the other twist of it is that the more pieces by a certain artist sell, the more they're going to sell for at the end of the round, the more popular it is. So you might not want to play a certain color if you see that like one player has that color because you don't want to increase its value because you don't want to give them that bonus. Or maybe you want to play a bunch of them because you have a bunch of those cards and you think you'll be able to win them and sell them off at the end. Uh, I really like bidding games. I know, Will, that you uh, don't always love bidding games, but I feel like I think you wanted to play this one. So what was your uh, thinking there? <laughs> uh, you you. The way Jonathan decided that we he pulled out a bunch of board games on his <laughs> I, shelf. I pulled out some options and said, like so, he, he like not completely off, but like they're they're poking out. And I picked this one because I'm like, oh, I love games with art and stuff. I forgot it was an auction based game. <laughs> okay, so there's our answer. <laughs> that said, <laughs> you had played it before though, right? 
I have. I forget. Okay. Yeah. That said, I like. I don't know why I like this one a little bit more. I think something with the board and the art. Like and not even the art is in pretty pictures, but like the idea that you know, okay, orange is selling better right now. Like I have something that you could sort of. Um, mm. It's easier for me to price something. That's I true. Guess. There is, uh, like, in the first round, you don't. Yes, there is a there is a way to gauge value that isn't just what people want. <laughs> and with the different kinds of auctions too, so it's not just the same kind of bidding every time. So. Um, I, I, I think this is an auction game. I would, I'd still be willing to play more of, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I, 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 I did not feel the same feelings I feel with maybe some other auction games. I'm not, I don't enjoy as much, but yeah, yeah I remember thinking that I was like, I picked an auction game. Why did I? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't question it. I'm glad we got to play it. Cause I, I yeah, look, like I I'm also, that's the other thing too. It's like, it's a game we've played before that gets another time, more time also, at the table. We have one player in our group who is very analytical and very strategic. And he's calculating all the values and all the odds and what something should sell for. Like in his head, he has an exact price sheet of what he's willing to pay and what other people should pay. And, and then someone goes, I'll pay 80. Yeah, we have other <laughs> players in the group who are just like, eh, that seems like it's worth this much. Let's just go for it. And freak, every, like every round, he was like, what? Like he didn't understand. <laughs> well, no, I think we actually have two at the table. Two what? Analytic, cool. The other one just likes a bit more chaos, and I think um, your mm. your friend Will seems pretty. He's, <laughs> he, he came in second to some extent, yeah, but it wasn't not like the way our, our friend. No, Garrett he he is, does not. Know. His eyes do not open when someone does a like a less <laughs> a, than a optimal move. Yes, yeah, if it's not like perfectly optimal. But so that was kind of funny to just see how that worked. Uh, Joey, are you? Do you ever do you do auction games or bidding games? You into those? Mm, no. All right. Hey, you're in my camp. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Don't play modern art because it's one of them. Uh, and then lastly, we played Crimes and Capers, Lady Leona's Last Wishes. This is a new series, this Crimes and Capers series from Renegade Game Studios that's essentially like a murder mystery party. So if you've ever played any of those kinds of games where it's like encouraged that, oh, you should dress up and you're playing a character and uh, you are... Uh, you know, you'll have a little piece of paper that gives you like info about yourself and you have some secrets and you're supposed to, a lot of them are like co accompanied by have a meal. And then at this time, release this information and you can talk to each other and kind of role play and try to solve the mystery and stuff. And my uh, assumption was that this would be more of a gamified version of that, more akin to like an escape room puzzle. And I think it is. But it was a little bit less in that direction than I thought it was. It was definitely still, I think you definitely still want to bring some of the role-playing stuff to it to get the most out of the experience. And what, we should have to start this also, again, the same friend we just mentioned who is very analytical. <laughs> mm. <laughs> we, so the way the game works, your first it, there's a box in it, uh, and it has a lock on it, like an actual combination lock. Then you're, the first thing you're supposed to do as a group is figure out what the code to the lock is. That's the first big puzzle. In fact, it's probably half of the game because this is a one-time play thing. And our friend, without even thinking about it, like I don't even think he was conscious of what he was doing. He just takes the lock, starts fiddling with it, and he's like, oh, I can solve this. Without looking at any of the materials, 
he's just knows how to like move a combination lock to figure out the right combination and opens it within 30 seconds <laughs> and is just like there i, I opened it <laughs> and i'm like you're not supposed to do that <laughs> it's so funny to watch just because he's like i did it and then just jonathan who's like knows half the game is just not half the game but a big puzzle just got bypassed because someone just messed with the lock <laughs> it was so funny this is why i don't do escape rooms because if i was really wanting to escape i would probably damage the room trying to get out <laughs> <laughs> yeah just grab that break that window what's the why are we solving this math problem <laughs> punch that nerd who's guarding the door <laughs> <laughs> um so uh yeah so for the first half of the game he had to pretend he did not know the code <laughs> and the rest of us try solved the puzzle <laughs> so that was uh, that was the thing uh so uh I, yeah i don't know what, what was your uh takeaway from from this one aside from that incident where, where, where did well, you feel it fell on the spectrum i mentioned of like role playing to puzzle solving it's got some puzzle solving, but the problem is the second half, at least for me, um, pretty much you're told to split into teams, or you can go on your own. Teams of one is uh, is viable. And whichever team solves the puzzle first is the one that gets the inheritance. That's the premise of the game, by the way, is you're trying to win your ancestor's inheritance. As you do. And I don't yeah, know right. why. I don't know whether I was just being stupid uh stupid or slow like and i don't mean that to be negative like i just felt like when you and a friend said like we have the answer i'm like i don't feel like i even had a chance to solve my clues yet yeah like a, it was i didn't feel the, like yeah i had a chance to like it wasn't even like i was stumped like i just didn't feel like i had a chance to look at everything yet yeah and and i think that's partially why i'm i'm like uh do you, I think you should go into this more with the role playing mindset because the pacing is weird. I found the pacing weird and and it seemed like we solved it because we just got lucky and happened to team up with each other who happened to have the perfect information to trade so we could figure it out before anyone else did. <laughs> uh, but that's the thing. Like, I didn't feel like I read everything to then ask other people to what they had. Well, because I was partnered with someone who it's had weird because you're supposed to make your teams before you look at your stuff. It kind of seems like you should be able to look at your stuff and then decide later, like, do you want to make deals or something? Well, yeah, I made my the team people I offered were because they were the th people I think my character liked. Yeah, which is actually what we did, too. And that's why I think we just got lucky. <laughs> but anyway, it was interesting. Um, I will say I do love this 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 trope and theme of like someone can win the inheritance when it, you know in reality anyone that controlling would not leave it to. <laughs> it's like it's this dream that I hope I can still be a jerk to this person. And they still give me a chance to inherit it. Yeah, I guess I will say uh, minor spoilers for the game. If you plan on playing these series, if you like mystery games, I don't know, skip ahead 30 seconds or a minute so you don't hear this. Uh, but I, we, I think both of us thought, oh, there's going to be some kind of a twist of like, it turns out none of us get it or all of us are going to get it. And there was no twist. It was just whoever solved it first got it. Like it was very straightforward. <laughs> and that was kind of disappointing to me. I, I It seemed like they could have done a little more with that, with the climax of it. Anyway, that's Crimes and Capers, Lady Lona's Last Wishes. Now, to round out our show and leave us off, I do have a board game game for us to play. 
and I'm very excited about it. So let's play a board game game. That's how you know we're really playing it. Uh, this week's board game game is called Bidding War. So we're staying on the auction theme. However, don't worry. You <laughs> won't have to actually be bidding. Uh, what we're going to be doing here is I have I have found a selection of board games that are currently up for auction on eBay. And Price is Right style, I am going to be naming the item along with maybe a brief description of what it is. And you guys are both going to take turns guessing what you think the buy it now price for it is. And closest without going over. We'll you get will also tell us condition. Yes. Uh, assuming it is. Yes. I will give you the condition. Yes. Although to be fair, buy it now is not necessarily what the game is actually worth. It's what the owner of the game thinks it's worth. That is correct. That is a hundred percent correct. So, so, so you will, you will keep this all in mind. Uh, so, uh, Joey, would you like to go first? We'll alternate, but you sure. Go all right. All right. Then great. Does will get to steal if I make, if I, if I'm, if I'm wrong or you can, he, I guess he, he just I will, me. you will both get to guess each for each item and whoever is closest without okay. going over, will will get it. And without, I think without going we'll, over. Okay. And we'll be going back and forth who makes their guess first. That's right. So it's, so that way it's a little bit fair. All right. So our first item is. Uh, the title is Vintage Crossbows and Catapults 1983 Game. So this is a game that I believe Restoration just got announced that they had the rights to and they would be remaking a new version of it. But this is the original one from 1983. Uh, the condition is used. And uh, the description says the sliding piece on the brown crossbow is broke and needs new rubber bands. <laughs> So other than that, though, uh, everything is intact. The box has a little bit of wear and tear to it, as you might expect for a game from 1983. Most of the pieces are plastic. Uh, so uh, I don't even think there's like cards or tokens in this. So It sounds like them... the game Coconuts, where the monkeys are throwing the quote-unquote coconuts. <laughs> yes. yes, it's exactly that kind of a game uh, where everybody has a little fort and you are flinging catapults and little plastic discs at each other to try to knock down your castles and stuff. So uh, what, do, what do you think, Joey? Give okay, us... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go buy it now. Uh, I don't know how big it is. That's the, that's the big question. It is a picture like a, a classic like Clue Monopoly like rectangular box. Okay, okay. I'm going to say buy it now for, don't want to go over now, $30. All right, $30. Well, All right. Uh, I'm going to go with the buy it now. I'll go 41. All right. I should go without saying, by the way, this is this game is no longer in print. <laughs> you said 1983, so we might be way under. Uh, so, yeah, Will is closer. The, the buy it now price of this item is $136. I imagine it to be higher, but I was like, well, I just need to go 10 higher. I'm not going to be the $31. <laughs> you could have just gone $1 higher. Yeah, no, no, no. I want to give some room in case. That's the classic move. That's the classic move. All right. So, where's the fun? So that's so that's one maybe we're not as familiar with, but let's we got a couple here that uh, you might have a better read in your head of what they might be worth. So starting with Will this time, our next item is Monopoly Coca-Cola Collector's Edition. This one is sealed. It was released in 1999, and it is in the shrink wrap. However, the box is warped. Uh, the box is not in perfect condition, but its contents should be. 
So this is the Monopoly Coca-Cola Collector's Edition from 1999. What do you think, Will? I think they need to pay me. <laughs> they need to pay you? <laughs> oh, to take it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with... I'm going to stick with 41. Oh, by the way, I think I'm saying... Uh, I think eBay might be giving me a discounted price because of... I'm going to go with the higher price. I think there's some kind of, if you're a member, save some deal. Sorry, so say that again, your guess? <laughs> Uh, I'm sticking with 41 again. 41. All right. Joey, what do you think? Yeah. Again, the, the game has no value at all. <laughs> um, but again, this is the problem with these quote-unquote collectors. There's a reason they're collecting. It's because they're holding on to something that they think has more value than it has. So the buy it now price, I'm, I mean... What I'd like to really do in the future next time we play this game is have what what it was actually sold for, because that's going to be way lower <laughs> than than the right. $50 price point, I'm going to guess. All right. Well, un- unfortunately, I don't know. Maybe you should have gone with you with your first instinct. Will uh, Will is closer on this one again, because this one is only selling for or buy it now for $24.99. Oh, but I went over. Oh, that's right. You did go over. You both went over. Oh, so nobody gets the point. (laughs) Nobody gets the point. Yeah. Tragic loss. (laughs) Well, let's see. Let's see. Maybe if we can, we're going to go with Monopoly again. This time starting with Joey. This one is another sealed game. Monopoly, the heirloom edition. So the heirloom edition of Monopoly, I don't know if you ever heard of this. I hadn't. Is basically a deluxe version of Monopoly. It's in a solid wood uh, stained oh, hinged yeah, yeah. box. Yeah. It comes with like a brass medallion. Uh, you can engrave your family name on it. It's got very deluxe pieces. It's meant to be the idea is that you would actually pass this down in your family uh, as a mm. version of it. Brand new factory sealed. Uh, some scattered tears to the shrink wrap. If you if you care about that. And that in the description, they note that it is very rare <laughs> mm. condition new. Wow. The only t- the only copy of Monopoly I've ever bought was it cost. I can't remember if it was seven dollars or nine dollars. Brand new sealed at Target. <laughs> and I needed it because I was shooting a video on YouTube, which you can look up uh, where I was shooting it with a flamethrower in slow motion. So um, <laughs> let me see here. I'm going to guess Heirloom Edition. I don't want to go over. I, I what what year did it come out? 1997. 97. Okay. I'm going to I'm going to go high on this one. I I I'm I I think I need to not be so conservative here. I'm going to say cuz it's probably super limited edition. I'm going to say $300. Okay. Well, I'm going to go uh hmm. You know, I'm going to go $231. All right. Well, once again, you have both gone over. <laughs> uh, it is 144. So uh, still up there, but not quite in the two or 300 range, uh, which means Will is still in the lead right now with one point. <laughs> but it is anyone's game. Oh, God, it's Rorschach all over again. <laughs> he has right. been closer in all three of them, just to be fair. You know, <laughs> that's true. That's true. But hey. You tell it to Bob Barker. It's his. It's his fault. All right. Uh, I don't know if he was the original Prices Right host or if someone else did it first. Our next. Our next one. Here's one that might uh, might give Joey an advantage, but I think we're starting with you, Will. Uh, this is a copy of Chaos in the Old World, mm. second edition, from Fantasy Flight. Rare, out of print, Warhammer theme game designed by Eric Lang. License expired. Remember. 
That's right. That's right. And it is still in the shrink. They say this is the newer second edition with corrected text on cards. Uh, and also there is a Canadian price for this one because it's from Canada, but I will accept U.S. dollars. <laughs> okay. Will you, will you convert to U.S. dollars? Yes, they, they tell you an approximate U.S. Okay. dollar price here. Uh, but that actually might make a difference, Will, because your your guess might not need to be a round number. It might be like, mm. you know, different because the Canadian conversion. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, there, oh, I'll man. tell you this. There are cents in the U.S. <laughs> price. All right. Um and what was the si- what was the the game like? What would you say the size of this game is? It's like a fan like a fantasy flight, a battle star. 11, size. 11. 5, 11. 5 by three. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I am worried. I, I thought for a second like you have the box next to you. No, well, like, I, I have. I do have the box next to me, but but I'm not cheating because we're talking about the eBay version. Right. Um, I'm gonna go with. Oh God, I'm gonna go with because you know with Battle Star, a hundred and. $12 and 23 cents. <laughs> All right, Joey, what do you think? Um, let me see. You're working on the Fibonacci sequence with your, uh, <laughs> let me see. Um, okay. So here's the problem. Let me see. I've got, Oh, I've got several games. So remember the Starcraft Starcraft board game. Once the, once the, uh, theme expired or the license expired, it blew up to $300. But then I've also got something called the Horus Heresy, which is a double size Fantasy Flight 40k game. And after the license expired, it was twenty five dollars. <laughs> so I ah, I think I think it's going to be higher though, because this is a kind of semi semi classic. I remember it when it came out; it was a big deal, and even for years afterwards, people would always list it as an eight or a nine on BGG. So. I'm going to go higher. I'm I'm going to guess $170. All right. The actual price in US dollars is $192.55. So point for Joey on that one. You were closer. All right. Well, what is it Canadian? Just curious. 240. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, I I was sort of hoping Jonathan when you said that uh, Joe would have an advantage, you'd be like, all right, there's a copy of Growl. <laughs> and, just, and just hear him be like, I know what it's worth. What in the world is someone charging for it? You know, I should have done that. And now I'm mad I didn't. That would have been <laughs> funny. Anyone who hasn't bought Growl yet might might be able to get it for for uh, for cheap um, starting next year because the, the license switched over to a much bigger publisher. So mm. their version... I won't be able to sell it anymore. So I have to dump all my copies at distribution really, really soon. Anything that's left over. Well, that'll be interesting to see. I'm very curious how that one's going to go. Well, I can't talk about it because it, but the, <laughs> the, it's going to be rethemed. So that's a really exciting, Ooh. interesting thing. Okay. Okay. I'm intrigued. This is a good tease. All right. Uh, okay. So now we are back to Joey starting on this one. How about there's a licensed scheme? This one is a rare reading from the title. I think they all say rare, though, so you take that with a grain of salt. Uh, original 1982, the Dark Crystal board game oh, wow. by Milton Bradley uh, slash Jim Henson. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this game here is uh, all it says all original pieces, game board and box are included. Uh, box shows light wear and tear. Small blem- blemish on the side where a price tag was, <laughs> and two corners of the box that have separated. However, they say the pieces and cards inside are in excellent condition. Yeah. So the the, the big the big piece of information 
that I think gives an advantage to the man. I think the, the trick is it's a mass produced game, right? If it was an mm. Avalon Hill game or something, I would say they didn't, they didn't make as many copies. So it's going to be way more rare. So I'm actually going to guess on the lower end. I'm going to get, although Dark Crystal is beloved and they just had a new Dark Crystal reboot or sequel recently. So maybe that's going to affect it. I'm going to guess $35 by it now. All right. $35. What do you think, Will? Higher or lower? I'm going to go back to 40, 41. Actually, I'll, I'll, I will make this clarification. This one does not have a buy it now. It has a, but it has a starting bid amount. So I don't know if the, how big a difference that makes if we're all eBay savvy here, but uh, I don't, I don't the starting know. bid be one cent. <laughs> <laughs> I th- it yeah, can yeah. be, but my guess is I think they if set, you set a starting, starting bid. You're like, that's pretty much you saying I, ref- I, I oh, refused I for this. To, I refuse to sell it for less because I love it, it so but much. I demand that uh, I know, I guess not demand, but I expect to sell it for more. Right. I, I think, yeah, I would probably, I would actually probably lower mine. Slightly. Go for it. I don't, I'm fine. Okay. Then it, with Will's permission, I'll lower mine to $25. I will stick with 41. Well, the actual starting bid set for this particular copy of uh, the Dark Crystal board game is $239. (laughs) Okay. So uh, that one goes to Will once again. uh, By by the way, the game's going to go to no one. (laughs) (laughs) You could be right. You could be right. Well, that's the Dark Crystal, as you said, beloved property. Another beloved property is uh, Trailer Park Boys. Mm. And uh, we've got next up is a Trailer Park Boys board game. New in open box, the description says. New in open box. <laughs> you know, those in... games that are new that come open. <laughs> <laughs> well, the game is in near mint condition. Uh, now is open, but everything inside is still sealed in original bags and shrink wrap. So this is the Trailer Park Boys board game. This came out in 2013 uh, and allows you to own your own trailer park and relive episodes from the comedy series Trailer Park Boys. Will, do you have an opening guess for this one? Uh, what's the size of this game? It looks, again, like a, like more of a classic rectangular shape. Uh, I'll go 32. Okay. Okay, Joey, thirty-two dollars. What do you think? I can't. I just can't imagine. I just, I can't imagine someone because the amount of shipping it costs to ship a board game. Just anybody spending more than fifty total just seems, it just seems nuts to me for a 2013 game. I'm gonna say, buy it now for twenty-four dollars. So twenty-four dollars. What was yours? Will thirty-two? Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, the buy it now price on this one is $120. <laughs> I shouldn't be winning these. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this game was going to be like like games that I know. I mean, I, I've played Chaos in the Old World many times, but most of these are, come on, what is it? <laughs> well, uh, it's only going to get worse, uh, oh but we God. have a couple more, but you still have a chance. You still have a yeah, chance to catch sure. up here. Uh, and we're starting like 12 point spread. or back to uh will again starting or is joey starting this one uh Uh, i did oh yes that's right so joey here's 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 one we're going back further in time now next up we have a vintage 
1950s game called Uranium Rush. Uranium Rush published in 1955, an educator-approved game, according to Board Game Geek. You begin with $15,000 and prospect for uranium uh, in an area determined by a spinner. <laughs> and then you can purchase a claim or auction it off. And there is, it includes an electric uh, Geiger, is it Geiger? Geiger counter? He, oh, he, it's, Ge- it's Geiger, but then HR Geiger. HR Geiger, yeah, see, this is where I yes. get confused too. Uh, you there is, It comes with a little Geiger counter that has a buzzing sound if you discover uranium, and then you sell the land to the federal government. <laughs> this is a real game from 1955. Um, it, is a, it is a complete game here. Uh, it's, they said, um, the counter has not been tested because they didn't want to take any chances breaking Mm. it, but all pieces appear to be present board and instructions and spinner. Um, the money appears not to have been handled much. They said, and this is a 21 and a half long by 14 inches wide, one and a half inches high box. (laughs) What do you think for uranium rush? One and a half inches high. Uh, And they haven't tested the electronics is that what you said that is what they said it is battery operated sounds like a big load. <laughs> uh, is there a refund policy um no returns are accepted <laughs> okay okay i'm gonna guess buy it now what one more time what, what year 1955 okay 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 1955 okay so this is an antique yeah yeah um yes a lot of bad things are antiques <laughs> let's go with <laughs> But again, the egos of these people, this is, I mean, that's, that's, what's been throwing me. I, I, I don't know if it's also ego. Sometimes just being in, like, I'm not part of that collector market. You know, like if you ask some of the stuff I collect, I'm like, oh yeah, that goes for that much now. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'd be a lot better at this game if, 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 if I was allowed to Google. Um, <laughs> okay. I'm going to guess buy it now for $100. Okay, we have hundred dollars. Oh. Man, I, I I was gonna go ninety nine because I thought that would be a fun, but no, this. Hey, you still good? <laughs> go for it. Go no, for I'm not. I'm I'm not going for ninety nine. Um, uh, uh, I'll go for one forty nine. All right, the buy it now price for Uranium Rush is three hundred dollars. <laughs> I keep falling for the same mistake. Uh, all right. Well, I, I, I was, I was thinking that this had to be in the triple digits because of the electronic component. Yeah, mm, which, it, by the way, doesn't look like anything to write home about. It looks like a little colorful kaleidoscope. Yes, but it's something that's much easier to say needs to increase price, and you can't just make like a cardboard token for. Yeah. Well, we got one more starting with Will. That one. If, 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 if Will had gone first, I, I would have won that one. Yeah. Well, this is this will be your chance to to go second and see if you can swing another win in. Uh, swing another win in? That's not a phrase anyone says. Uh, this one is for Halloween. We've got a rare limited edition serial killer trivia game. <laughs> the serial killer trivia game was released in 2010. Features Ted Bundy, the Green River Killer, and other serial killers. Oh, and uh, has you rolling a die and solving cases or something and answering trivia questions about real world serial killers it is used um uh but as they say in the description complete game hard to find great fun to play on halloween night 
So it is open but complete. What's so, it called again? Serial Killer Trivia. Sorry, it's so called when the you, Serial Trivia the Serial Killer Trivia Game. When you first said that, I don't know why, but my mom was like, Oh, is this a game about like horror serial mascots? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. The other kind. What do you, uh, yeah. you know, because murder mystery podcasts and stuff have gone up, I'm betting they think this is worth more now. Uh, and they probably could be right. So what year was it released? 2010. 2010. Oh, so it's pretty recent. That's pretty recent. You know what? No, I'm just going to go 20 bucks. <laughs> All right. What do you think, Joey? What's a horror serial mascot? Like Count Chocula? Yeah, like <laughs> Count Chocula, Boo Berry, uh, Frank, or is it Frankenberry? Frankenberry. Okay. Yeah, they're both there. Well, it's not that then. So I'm going to go. Unfortunately, with, that would be so much better. Buy it now price. Again, I don't, I honestly don't believe any of these are being bought now. <laughs> this um, one says two watched in the last 24 hours. <laughs> if that means anything. Well, it means they would have bought it if the buy it now price wasn't. I'm guessing. <laughs> what was your guess again, Will? $20. Okay. I'm going to guess. Well, I, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm 21. <laughs> Sorry, I got to pull out all the stops. No, you do. And watch as we're both miserable when it's actually now $10 or something. Yeah. No, <laughs> I got this one in the bag. The buy it now price for this one is 190 people. <laughs> so there is. You need to visit by a certain special character from that game. <laughs> if, if, if you're looking to buy this for 190 there's this great game called Growl that you should buy that will be a lot less and probably a lot more fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you could still talk about serial killer trivia while you're while you're playing it. Um so uh eBay is a wasteland. <laughs> uh uh the final results of this of this competition are Will winning four to two. So by even by Rorschach rules, you just you just eked out a win. Congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, you're you're better at at guessing bad board game <laughs> prices on eBay. See, maybe you should play not more even close games. though. <laughs> not even close though. That's the thing. It's not like I did like, oh, you were like just five off. I was Ooh. like, oh, 42. The answer is 265. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very much one on a technicality there. <laughs> I have to uh, uh, remember for, for the next game, uh, people are crazy. <laughs> I don't understand I, them. I, I think that, well, it's a different, it's just a different game than the one, than it's buying what what the game sells for is its value. What the game well, buy it now prices is not what its value. Well, what 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 we need to do next time? I need to host it, and what I'm going to do is find single trading cards from different games. <laughs> I mean, if you, if you want me, if you just want to hear me say a random number every round, <laughs> <laughs> assuming they're all magic cards, I will have no. Oh idea. no no no! I would probably I, I would have to go to multiple different card games. Hmm. Maybe some Yu Gi Oh, some uh, Blood in what was it called? Uh, like. Yeah, I would have blood and alter the new game or whatever. No idea. <laughs> I would just guess five hundred dollars for all of them and probably be <laughs> under. Uh, well, at any rate, that's bidding war. That was our board game game, and that's the end of our show. Joey Vigor, you have been gracious to, enough to spend our, some time with us, and you have also earned some experience points. By the way, you should be very happy about that because you get to spend them right now to tell everyone how and where they can follow you and your projects on the internet in the future. 
Oh, thank you very much. It's been fun. Uh, I don't do a lot of social media posts these days because if you do it wrong, you get in trouble. But uh, I think you can find um, my website at joeyvigor.com, J-O-E-Y-V-I-G-O-U-R.com. You can go to my store, my web store, which I'm taking it all off pretty soon because of the licenses are going away, but that's growl.online. And you can follow Bad Koalas, which is the the one I'm excited about the most right now at badkoalas.launchrock.com. All right. We'll have links to all that stuff in the show notes. Definitely go check it out. Uh, we, we always enjoy your designs and are excited to see more of them. If you're listening right now and you want more Roll for Crit, well, guess what? You can find links to our YouTube content, weekly live streams, merch, uh, and other stuff at our website, rollforcrit.com. You can support us on Patreon, uh, join our Discord server, and get weekly bonus episodes even uh, of the podcast at patreon.com slash rollforcrit. Or you can just rate and review us on iTunes to support us and help us out. And if you have any questions or comments, you can always send those into meeplegallery at gmail.com. Join our Meeple Gallery and we will read your comments and questions in a future episode. Once again, Joey, thank you so much Thanks, for coming guys. on the show. And uh, my name is Jonathan. I'm Will. And it's been Roll for Crit. <laughs> <laughs>